0: welcome to story comic presents where we interview amazing storytellers and artists this is episode 293 i'm your host barney smith of storycomic.com and we're excited to have back with us the internationally acclaimed and talented comic creator of Plugo Arts, Patrick Lugo.
1: I'm pausing for applause. Thank you, Barney, for having me <laughs> back. I feel like we've only just been hanging out casually and now I'm I'm back on the big on the main stage. So
0: well, it's a because great. Great, we've I I've been on your show, I think, a couple times. I've been you've been on and that's it's weird that we talk to each other all the time and You've only been on the show once. It just seems like it just doesn't seem like it. Uh, the math adds up, but I had to check for. I had to check again. You've only been a guest on the show once.
1: It's it's purely my own fault because I I move through life in such an improvisational fashion that you know, <laughs> like I I force my friends to really kind of contort to like, okay, I can fit you in within a specific time frame, you know. So. <laughs> But I, I like I like to think of it as like um, – I like to say it's the monkey in me, right? Like when they're swinging from vine to vine, they're not really scheduling exactly which vine they're going to grab. They're just kind of reaching out and, you know, hoping that there's a vine that they catch before they – you know, before they go all the way down, right? So right. I like to think so, of it as Is that, that your way.
0: year of the zodiac? Are you year the monkey? Is that
1: – Yes, according to the – Lunar calendar, lunar zodiac, yeah, sama. I'm, I'm an Earth monkey, okay. so it's it's the Earth that mellows me out, you know.
0: Right, yeah, and I think I remember, I remember last time we talked about I'm a dragon, so I get I got that going for me. So
1: yeah, that explains your magnanimity, like you're you're magnanimous, and you've got that like people you know people flock to you, you know. I've I've been lucky to meet a few dragons, and they're always like a presence.
0: You know, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so, sometimes it's not really, like, that the presence you're hoping for, but, you know, it's so—it's it's something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, right? There's there's Smog, and then there's Puff, right? And there's a right, whole see? spectrum of dragons in between. That's right,
0: yeah. Yeah, and both but of them kind know, of have just, like, they... Smoky, yeah, Puff and Smog. You, you pick two that actually kind of have this. Surely same... coincidence,
1: Barney. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm more of like with the dragon i guess
1: <laughs> yeah or That's sick right
0: yeah because
1: <laughs> I, I noticed i noticed oh. you you had a beverage in your hand is that ha- does that happen to be tea and of what of sort? course it's tea
0: it's a yogi tea as well see oh, yeah
1: very nice i brought I, I pulled out my my trusty tea box because i wanted to share oh uh, yeah some tea cakes with you because we have, we have an ongoing conversation about tea, right?
0: Of course, yeah.
1: And so, um, I wanted to mention that the tea that I'm drinking now is called Eleven Z's, right? And hey, th- there's a dragon connection here somewhere because Eleven Z's is a play play on the um on Hobbit food culture, right? If you right. recall, hobbits yeah. eat like you know, yeah. holy, they have breakfast, second breakfast, breakfast. Yeah. breakfast yeah. Eleven Z's. And so here, let's see if I if I have that. This is um, which I illustrated illustrated this in twenty twenty. Uh, it's a break of poor poor tea, which is fermented tea.
0: I love puar um,
1: tea. Yeah, and that's what I'm drinking right now because I just came to the end of a brick.
0: The I've, I've discovered the whole th- in in the cup um, steeper that you can actually put in for the loose tea. And I just really, I ended up really falling in love with something like that. And and I what I love about tea is that with coffee, you have flavored coffee, and then you have, and then decaffeinated coffee. What I love about tea is that you can get different flavors of tea, you can have different types of herbals, teas, it is, um, the sky's the limit, You know, you know, hibiscus tea, you could have, which is good for you, you can have you know, as you said, the poor teas, the green teas, the white teas, the black teas. And, and I don't remember if I was telling you this on your, on your show It's like when I lived, I was working in Zimbabwe for years and we actually, um, we actually um, drove through a um, a tea plantation that we worked at as as a health clinic. And that's where I learned that green tea, white tea and, and black tea are all of the same leaf. It's the same plant. It's how it's, When it's harvested is what the type of that tea is. So like the black tea is like the real leaves there, and then the green tea are the new leaves, and then the white tea is like the baby leaves that are popping up on the top of the on the top of the bush. So
1: yeah, and then it goes a a layer deeper, right? Because it you also get like an oolong tea based on how it's cooked and prepared. And then the poor tea is similar and it's how it's aged, right? So, and then when now, now when you talk about aged and fermented teas, you're almost kind of going into wine territory because yeah. you can get these tea cakes that, like, are, you know, this year and this was a good year harvest, right? So you may have heard those kind of comments with certain year vintages of wine, but also, like, you can get teas that are aged 30. 80 60 years old and then there there's a commensurate value and quality to those teas as well so yeah. like right. right yeah and well, it's so hard because
0: there's yeah it's so and, the, and the, the tricky part about that is like if you buy a bottle of wine you don't have to prepare it it's there in the thing but if you buy a poor tea you really have to know how you're going to prepare it because you can uh, to, for the uninitiated you could burn it you could actually put in hot water too much you can actually steep it uh, not a, not long enough and it can really really harm the flavor of it
1: yeah yeah and it's um once again it's that whole scale the scale goes in every direction so like i have a yeah. couple of i have two tea gurus right two tea masters senseis or friends you know who yeah who they, like, one of which, you know, hired me to um, do that tea label. He actually followed up with a second tea label. Uh, this one is called Second Breakfast. Do you see a theme here? Yeah. So I'm really stoked on this one because he went full color, right? He went from black and white to color, but it's still the same characters. And it's also a, a poor tea, but a different mix, right? Like different leaves from different generations. So if I was to open it up, you would see the dark cake with a little uh in the white the lighter colored speckles in it. And right. you know, it's and then once again, when you're when I'm hanging out with my tea mentor, you know, he's got it he's got it dialed to an art, you know, and it's amazing how many steepings you can get and there's a whole experience to it. Right. But then I'm more of um he makes fun of me. He calls it grandpa style because what I do is I just have a pot with a basket and I put a lot in it and just steep a whole large amount. And then I have my trusty thermos that I pour it into, which keeps it warm all day, you know? And that's how I could just keep, you know, sipping on my tea while I'm at the art table. And, you know, I don't set up the space and do the whole meditative aspect. I'd love to, but Barney, I've got deadlines to meet. So I just need that motivation.
0: I know. And so, so yeah before we, before we we went live we were talking about how you you kind of stick to like a like a 27 hour schedule a 27 hour day
1: um something like that or it kind of was uh i was being a little facetious but it's also like <laughs> the the chaos of my my organic sleep schedule like once i've been liberated from the the commute and like the the standard 9 to 5 you know I can pursue my, my efforts in accordance with my motivation and my energy. And sometimes what I have found is like, you know, people spend a lot of time trying to sleep, but not really sleeping. Right. right. So I, yeah. I just, I have just decided I'm not going to try to sleep when I'm tired enough to sleep, it's going to happen. And then when I'm not, if I, if I, if I've you know, rolled around in my bed more than once, I might as well just, you know, go out for a midnight walk with the dog and then, you know, log a couple of hours in at the computer and then I'll feel it, you know, okay, time to go to sleep. Then I'll go to sleep.
0: Right. Now, did I, did I remember, did I tell you that when I was in Niger, we had, you know, drinking um, the Tuareg tea. I told you about the Tuareg tea.
1: Is that when you spin it around and it sweetens over time or so I'm, I'm really paraphrasing it extremely, but that the impression I have is the, the T is on the end of a string that's being swung around and that's how the
0: almost. So what they do is they have this little thing where it's actually kind of like a a small grill, basically, where they put the charcoal in, but they Mm -hmm. have to make sure it's heated up. So what they do is to make sure it's nice and hot. They actually like grab the actual, the charcoal base the thing where they, they heat it on and they spin it around to get it burning. Then they set it down and they have a teapot. So what they do is they open up a packet of like, it's called gunpowder tea. Are you familiar with that term? Like it's, um, yeah, bullet is basically little tiny rolled up tea balls and this, and it's mixed mm-hmm. in and It has this, it has a Moroccan mint to it. And so what they do is they pour in one sachet basically of tea. And then they put in one sachet of sugar. And they put it in, and they put in uh, a 16 ounce glass of water. They dump it in, and they they heat it up, and then they they cook it, and then they have these little shot glasses, and then when they pour the tea, they pour it really high so it cools off a bit as it goes in, and that's the that's the first round. So that first round of tea, you drink it, and it's really bitter. Like it is, um, it's it's bitter. It's really bitter, and they say that first round of tea is bitter like love. And and then what they do is then they do a second round where they don't add any more tea, but they add in another thing of sugar. So um, they basically take another sachet of sugar, put it in, put another sixteen ounce cup of water on there, heat it up, spin it around, and all this time, this is this they're, you're just hanging out and talking, telling stories, because the entire process takes about maybe two hours if you're lucky. Usually it goes longer, so then they spin it around, set it up, and they do another shot of tea. And it is, and it's not. Um, it, and 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 then it's when you when you drink it, it's it's um, it's not as bitter because it's not as strong with the tea. Um, but they say you know the second round is um, like uh, you know strong like life or something like that, or bitter like life. You no, know, the first one is strong like love, the second one is bitter like life. And you drink that and you get it done. And then you do the third round where they don't add any more tea. You still have that one sachet on. But then what they do is they add in another sachet of sugar, put another 16 ounces of cat water in there, close it up, and you know, get it all heated up, you know, spin the coals around and stuff. And then they drink it again. They do the whole pour it real up high and stuff and give it to you. And the third round they say is sweet like death. And it is sugar basically looks like sugar water because you can barely taste tea at that point because it's the third round they never add any more tea on there and the entire process there's 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 theater and performance and just storytelling because you're hanging around and you're watching like an artisan work on making this tea and it is uh some of the most amazing stuff you can do it's so fun just hanging out and doing that and i remember taking back with me when i left the Peace Corps, and I, I brought back my own Tuareg tea set. I made it once for my family because the, uh, the the theater behind it is actually pouring the tea high and getting the coals going and stuff like that. But it's not a hard art form for to mess up because it's the ingredients is pretty simple. It's tea and water and sugar. But it's how you do it. It's actually the ritual behind it is – the actual heart that the part to make sure you get down pretty good but uh but yeah that was that was fun because what the tea is kind of specific as i say it's it's the bullet tea with mint so you have that in the moroccan mint on it as well to kind of give it some of that some of that flavor to it so yeah
1: what's and what's also interesting <laughs> about that because i love that story but it there's similar parallels in terms of like the number of steepings and how like the tea <laughs> i think it's been described as like when you just steep it and it's really light that's like the heaven aspects and then as you steep it and it gets darker and darker it's the earth aspects so it descends from heaven to earth whereas <laughs> at the bottom at the dregs and the most bitterest stuff that's you know the earth right yeah but um speaking to one of my other um people that i know who's written books on tea and he gave me an interesting spin about how tea and colonialism kind of interacted. Like we all kind of might remember um, the English colonialism going to China, trading in tea, right? All the tea in China, uh, the Boxer Rebellion when China tried to fight back and get get England or the, um, the British um, tea corporation, I think it might be called, you know, who was using the tea and and um you know engage in colonialism and one of the factors that they did because of that rebellion was that they stole tea plants and brought them to other british colonies in india and in africa and that's how the right. tea that originally originally started in, in the mountains of china made their way to these other continents so if you were to ask yeah. someone who specializes in the chinese tea those rituals like the one that you described as well as the use of milk and sugar were a response to the tea, the new teas that were coming in from other colonies because they couldn't get the, like the original tasting tea that was being, that had been right. discovered in China. So yeah,
0: that's right. Because I know when I was in some of the, 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 British Africa, the British colonized African countries, they had like a, the, a, like, um, no, it was in Pakistan when I lived in Pakistan, and the milk tea, which was just basically, it was just milk and sugar and like, and then it was just some tea flavor to it. But it was that was super sweet stuff too. Yeah,
1: right. Well, when you think about like those. That's you know, that was a stop on the Silk Road, and those tea, right? Those teas, specifically tea dochas, like the bullets or the small little cakes. You know, that was that was currency for that for. For those stops so yeah amazing one plant you know and a whole range of histories and uses and uh and flavors
0: right yeah in different parts of the world like you have the tea there then was it like tobacco from north america and coffee came from south america
1: right i believe so yeah yeah no i think actually coffee came from africa and then went to south america with really? spanish colonization right because i think coffee made its way from africa north through also on the silk road and it had there because it, it had its whole impact on the develop you know on the early stages of islam where the it had to be addressed right the prohibition of alcohol did coffee qualify
0: right that's right so coffee originated have originated in Ethiopia is the, is the standard. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, in coffee actually is a nut. A lot of people think it's a bean, but it's actually a nut. So, yeah.
1: Right. It's the peanut. That's a bean.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I know when I did volunteer work in Africa.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, so so Patrick, I wanted to talk to you about you, you know. I, I really want to also kind of talk a bit about your latest book, which is different. It's kind of a different adventure than you have with a tiger's tail. It's uh say I want to make sure I say it right, Lucy Veloz Veloz.
1: Yes. Like uh Velocity. So Lucy Veloz, the high flying princess. This is a special little project. The um I am not the uh originator of, of the concept it, I, this is a collaborative work wherein the writer is a longtime friend and collaborator and he had me you know help develop this project because he had this vision for for a young sci-fi superhero princess mm. that was also of um Latinx origins, right? Like I couldn't say she was from Latin America because this is a sci-fi world, you know, a whole new planet where this, where she's the princess of, but it's a, rather than being a graphic novel, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a storybook, right? Small chapters for the young reader ages around six through eight. Um, who want to see the adventures of a Latina princess who saves herself through her inventiveness?
0: And so, what are so it's it's not necessarily a it's almost a, like an illustrated storybook in a way, right? Is that
1: yes, yes, okay. that's a good way of describing it. It's 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 kind of written for for youngsters who who want to read for themselves, right? So that was that was Alex's vision. Alex Hernandez, the author. We were also, um, he was one of the editors for the anthology that I was a part of called Speculative Fiction for Dreamers. And also in tandem with that, he had presented this concept, you know, as a story, but he wanted it to be like so immersive that he wanted like the comic book aesthetic to be to be really present, right? So we created this, this really comic book-ish, fantasy sci-fi setting for a young princess to have crazy adventures in. And so this is the first adventure where it's a classic tale of her saving her planet from interplanetary invaders by the creative use of her invention.
0: Uh, and how was this, how was, how was illustrating this book different than when like with your tiger Tales uh, kid's comic
1: rather than just um draw a scene, you know, like you'd have to do with a comic. I wanted to really like create a whole world in one scene. In some of my other updates, I kind of went into details of like how that wallpaper was created and added, you know, I created like a 3D space so that that wallpaper could recede in an accurate 3D even though there's a kind of a fantastical lens flare effect where you can see the floor and the ceiling of the room at the same time. So it was like these kind of things, which, you know, when you're trying to generate comic pages, you don't really have as much time to really plot out these like nuances, you know? And then, so like, if you'd see the inventions that are strewn throughout the room, each one of those inventions is an individual illustration, you know, on the page opposite it, you can see her, let's name that her air vision or scope, something, something invention, right? Like you see it spotlighted on one page, but then you also see it just as one item in her many inventions, just in her bed, in her messy bedroom, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, and then the same is true with uh, like the pattern of, her bed and her cat, you know, her her bed, those that the, that also has a bit of a history. You know, there's a lot of these little elements that, that kind of create the character in just that one image, you know, mm-hmm. and that's something that you don't often get to do in comics because you're, you know, you're depicting things for the purposes of, of telling a story. Whereas here I'm telling a story through the images that I'm depicting. You know, like you can barely even see it, but the on that techno screen that she's looking at is one of the first comics that the author Alex Hernandez and I worked on. <laughs> so you'd have to, you know, this is a digital image, but like in the printed book, you can kind of look really closely and, and you'd be able to see, oh, there's a little comic sequence going on because that's a comic that Alex and I worked on many years ago you know, I wanted to bring back to once again, you know, convey that there's a deeper story here. So each of those illustrations has that kind of um, effort put into it, you know, in terms of some of it has been drawn, you know, pen and ink on paper. Some of it was digitally created using 3D tools and models. You know, some of it looks very real and some, some of it looks like, uh, maybe it's my take on Dr. Seuss and some of those influences that that affected me when I was young. So I wanted to kind of bring some of that into like a mm-hmm. redefine what sci-fi might look like for a youngster, you know?
0: How much did Alex give you on the say, go ahead and just invent any images you want? Or did he say, I want to make sure there's an anti-gravity belt? Or did you say like a... a a skyscreen or, or or did you were able to, was there some level of science and expectation that Alex had for you or did because you worked together with him on projects before he just said, just, you know, draw what you want, Patrick, your stuff is fine.
1: Well, you know, there were specific items that were, that pertained to the story, right? The, the anti-gravity belt, the laser boots and the solar wings. These were things that, that he wrote about and, you know, they have an effect on the story as it's being told. Hmm. Outside of that, he he provided a series of Pinterest pages where okay. he was like, these are my ideas of like what I'm thinking in terms of like, uh, like a sci-fi hero. And this is my ideas of what I'd like in terms of uh, sci-fi technology. And in hmm. fact, if you were to go to that, you know, that crowdfunder page, I think I wrote a little post. One of my very first updates was just like, Screen captures of those Pinterest pages, you know, that featured, you know, iconic characters like Astro Boy, and there was some Kirby tack. Like, we have a lot very similar tastes to begin with, and you know, right. a lot of similar interests or what was it influences. So, that w- we were already simpatico on that level. And then, once he sent me those Pinterest boards, I sent him a few sketches that were just ideas of what I'm thinking you know for the series you know like the style we we went back and forth on the you can even play that little video up there if, if you wanted but you know like some of those things I just kind of presented to him generally there was another full page illustration that I went deep on in terms of like the 3d of the architecture and the, the perspective of the city right I'm trying to invent right. an idealistic sci-fi city that goes a little bit beyond, you know, what is already out there. And Alex, you know, I, I would send Alex developmental sketches and some developmental art. Like what I did was I, I drew a few key scenes, you know, like, and then we just went back and forth. Like I knew I wanted to introduce Lucy upside down, floating in her bedroom. That's like one of the key scenes in the in the opening of the story. And it just was so fun to draw. So before I can get to uh, that finished piece there was a there was one drawing where she was wearing a much more traditional uh princess gown like the one you see her her mother wearing you know on the right. floor but then I kind of changed it to be more of a, like a, a jumper kind of suit because it tied into her sci-fi pajamas and uh it just moved her forward you know like and it also made it easier to resolve the issue of her being upside down, playing with her anti-gravity belt if she was wearing a, a jumpsuit rather than a skirt. So it's that kind of thinking. And here's another example of of an initial image that showed like ideas about what the city look could look like without right. you know relying on the typical um blues and silvers that people associate with like, high tech environments. Now,
0: is this a series or this is a standalone book?
1: The book is a standalone book. I know Alex has a few other stories that he's written and um, it definitely, it, it functions as an origin story in, in this case, right? This is the origin of how a young idealistic princess, you know, becomes a hero, a young idealistic mm-hmm. hero. And so from there, there's room to, uh, to grow. Like each story is designed to be like a little bit of a lesson, but I think that's part of what, what, uh, what we want to try and convey with the project. You know, I've got other, the whole platform is a, is an interesting experiment. So once again, you know, Lucy Velos being like an inventor and an experimenter, I thought would be the perfect. Uh, project to bring to a new platform where I'm experimenting and, you know, inventing a, a kind of a different way to crowdfund and get my projects out there.
0: Now, um, so who's the, who's the book for?
1: Oh, for idea, the ideal reader will be a young, I think uh, the ideal reader will be a youngster, age six through eight. And mm-hmm. uh, the parents of such children right? Curious. Uh, they might have ideas of being inventive. There might be a young girl who wants to be a superhero and there's where there's still room for one more young female superhero in the world. Right. You know, so I like to think that I'm targeting this book to the cool aunts and uncles that, that I know, <laughs> right? Like we finished the book as an ebook. And so the plan is just to, I mean, to send, I'm the plan is to send the files out to the printer by the end of this month. Right. Okay. And then, um, have the books in people's hands well before the holiday season. Right. So I, I right. kind of am framing this as I think this will be a great gift. This will be a chance for kids to step away from the screen or for the plat- from the tablet and to have an actual book in their hand that, you know, is sized appropriately for their hands so that they can carry it with them in their backpacks. And at the same time, my other books are also there in case you want to like catch up and build your library, right? I've got copies of a tiger's tale volume two. I've got uh, copies of my little mini comic Zong Q. That one is a short, quick little Kung Fu action. I've got some of the stickers that I designed for a tiger's tale like the, and then a few of the, you know, my award-winning children's book, right? right. Who, uh I've got some copies. So I, you know, if people want to buy one of those, I'll paint a little something inside of it to kind of really make it unique. And um, the idea is that this once again, the cool aunt and uncle who wants their kids to read more, right, right. That's, what I, that's what I want this project yeah. to do, right? encourage more literacy so when i of them a tiger's tale volume one is written to be read f- by kids but it's also written to be read by adults to kids right well i think you know the same is true for lucy Velas, right
0: yeah and it's like a big book vo- it's like seventy seventy two pages
1: right the hardcover is gonna be uh include some back matter, right? Like some of the stuff that I was describing in terms of like how I built a page and how I developed some of the art, those will be specifically added into the hardcover so that once again, the inventive curious child can look in there and see, compare what, you know, what the finished artwork looks like to the previous pieces which, you know, made their way there devoted you know i devoted pretty a large chunk of 2020 to doing this artwork you know when i had i had this as my primary project and so i invested it with so many little so much thinking in terms of like what what i could do how much i can embed into an individual story or how much story i can embed into an individual work of art right which include which is why i was able to create like uh a little worksheet where they could kind of play with their own uh, spare time. They could check and compare their their blueprints to Lucy's blueprints, that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> right. I, I
1: put so much energy into doing this art. Like I could, I was able to just have that available for for a youngster to be able to to play with. Right. You know, like th- it's those kind of experiments that I wanted this this campaign to uh, or to bring forward. And it's it's been fun to do so. And once again, the the crowdfunder as a platform allows for some other interesting perks in terms of like um, the digital download aspect seems to be automatic, or there's room Great. to to do um, some video calls, right? So I could I could use some of my own design experience and illustration experience with other young artists. This is something I, I, I do infrequently, but it's so satisfying when I could, you know, be on the other side of a video call with a young artist who's got questions and has ideas of what they want to do, but don't quite know how to get there. You right, know, sometimes yeah. it's very technical. Let's talk about perspective and, and design. Sometimes it's just very, like it's it's very abstract, almost philosophical, you know, like what it means to be an artist in the world.
0: So, Perfect. so, so Patrick, if people want to learn more about um, uh, Lucy uh, Velaz, uh, where can they go to?
1: So they can go to crowdfunder.com/slash/the-high-flying-princess, okay. okay, and that'll lead them straight to to the campaign page. Um, I also set up luciveloz plugoarts.com which you could okay. see it right right there on my on my subtitle and so that should also take you to the same place right
0: and that's a good point too so also check out uh yeah go to plugoarts.com as well um where you can see all things patrick all things plugo on here where you actually talk about all the publications you've done Comics you've done, the books you've written and published, and of some of the articles you've done, and also amazing portfolio. So definitely uh, check out Patrick's work because it is, it's, 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 it's high art but accessible in an illustration sort of way, which makes it um, really, really easy for anybody to to uh, learn and check out and appreciate your style, Patrick.
1: Oh, thank you, Barney. And, and you, you you're you catching a glimpse at the rate at which I have to work to, uh, <laughs> to get these projects done. I mean, we were just discussing this tea label moments ago, and, and there it is,
0: right? Yeah. Perfect. Well, listen, so Patrick, you're gonna have to come back on when you have your another project done because you know, being on three times you get to be friend of the show. So
1: Oh, I, I'm that. so excited. I'm like so excited to achieve that goal. I have to come up with a new project just to be able to do that. Know, um, see. Let's <laughs> see. I'll, I'll, I'll come up. I know I've got a few in the works already, so I, I'm the, the right. ideas are percolating. Or should I say the ideas are steeping because we've been talking steeping. about
0: Steeping. See, yeah. exactly. They're not percolating. They're <laughs> steeping. Yes. You got some ideas steeping right now. Yes. <laughs> I know.
1: Yeah. Ambitions for a graphic novel on the history of tea, Barney wouldn't right, that see? be cool right
0: or you just have you could do something where like there's like you can have like you can do this like superhero thing and each each hero is like a different type of tea or something see and yeah
1: oh so many possibilities and there's also my guide to drag I've got you know I've got a list of ideas of like which one can I get to you know but when I reach the 30 hours a day mark then I think I'll have all of them covered right
0: you'll be fine yes yeah, see you when can I, do when it. when
1: i can put in a 30-hour work day then we'll yeah. see some real progress
0: <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right well thank you so much patrick
1: barney this has been an honor and a pleasure just to to hang out to talk tea as well as projects and creativity um did that accidentally rhyme i'm not I sure i think it
0: did <laughs> see yeah see so, Yep. Well, look at that you're 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 you're, see, you're, you're, you're so fluid with creativity it just happens just you know right off the cuff like that see yeah.
1: it's pouring out of me like an overflowing kettle what can i say yes <laughs> <laughs> but i you know i i better be careful because i'm i'm here sparring with them the the grand of dad jokes so my <laughs> my puns may not get me that far you know <laughs>
0: No, I'm I'm, I'm more than one that like I'm not quick witted. I just I just have the the resources to find the information. That's all.
1: <laughs> I think some people call that wisdom, Barney.
0: Yeah. <laughs>